Deanne was diagnosed with Graves' disease and myasthenia gravis. These autoimmune diseases were so severe she was unable to smile or speak at times. This illness led her on a journey of self-discovery around the world as she sought out to unravel and heal the psychosomatic roots of her illness. After years of traveling the globe, learning and training within a range of esoteric healing modalities, what she discovered was that the stuffing down of parts of her unique identity to fit into boxes growing up created a deep lack of self-worth, which she believes triggered the illness. Once she started to reclaim her multidimensionality and build a deep sense of self-love, the healing began to take place. And I'm truly honored to welcome her to the podcast to share her story. Hey, all of you Body, Mind, Soul Seekers. This is your doctor, Dr. Body, Mind, Soul, here to expand the collective consciousness of the Body, Mind, Soul connection so we can all learn to live a truly healthy life. Let's dive in. I think it might be a good place to start where it started for you. The symptoms, I I believe, started when you were 19. So can you just tell us a little bit about what was going on in your life at that time and and how things unraveled? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was about 19. And the first thing I remember, I was sat in the hairdressers and there was another client in there and she said to me, do you realise that you've got a a big lump on your neck? And I hadn't noticed, I hadn't noticed this thing. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I do. Um, And so I went and saw a doctor, you know, all the thoughts, all the fears running through my head about what this could be. And I was eventually diagnosed with with Graves' disease, um, which is an autoimmune condition associated with the thyroid gland. I was put on drugs um, to kind of balance that. And, you know, at the time, it's really interesting looking back because at the time, being that age, pre-start of my alternative spiritual journey, um, I was just like, I just want to get this sorted. (laughs) You know, I just want my life back. I'd noticed that I'd lost a lot of weight or friends had noticed that I'd lost a lot of weight. Um, And as somebody who is pretty slender anyway, so even to notice notice that is is quite significant so um there are all kinds of symptoms that I then realized I was having right after I've been diagnosed and um so I think it was about a year after being diagnosed with Graves I was diagnosed with a very debilitating very rare condition called myasthenia gravis um which basically um meant that all the muscles in my body stopped responding to the messages from my brain to move. Um, So what that resulted in was almost a state of paralysis at its worst. Um, I found it, you know, like you said in the introduction, I couldn't smile. I couldn't, you know, open my hands. The hands were so weak, I couldn't open bottles. I was doing a drama and theatre degree, which required me to stand up and to speak. And there were times when my voice just wasn't there. Like literally, it wasn't that I'd like lost it because it was. It just there was no power there. And when I even when kind of talking about it um, and reflecting in this way, it's 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 so clear 
how, to me anyway, how that was such a reflection of what was going on in my mind. You know, I was literally becoming a ghost of myself. I was literally um, shrinking into nothingness. I had no expression, literally had no expression. My soul wasn't able to express itself through my body. And that was excruciating. And when I look at how I was brought up and my parents, you know, I have to put my hands up to them. They did everything that they could to provide for me and make sure that I had the best education. So I went to, I lived on a council estate, but I went to a private school as my primary school. And I always joke that I would leave this estate. I had a duffel coat. I had a bowler hat, I had a briefcase, I drove in a gold car, and I must have just looked like a young black female Del Boy, you know, leaving that estate every morning. Um, and it was just this real paradox. And I, I kind of um, became very aware of the, the, the kind of the, the wealth gap. I became very aware of what I was and what I wasn't in the eyes of you know, the other. And um, as someone who was naturally quite a vivacious child, loud, proud, my parents instilled a lot of kind of confidence in me. And yet they were very clear on who they wanted me to become because of the struggle that they had as immigrants. You know, they were like, we're going to do everything that we can to mould you into the person who becomes successful and doesn't have to go through the same kind of shit that we've been through, right? So in that, there was some kind of suppression of what my soul, what my kind of, you know, my, my real self wanted to express. And I think it's, you know, it is important to stress that there was, a, there was always a positive intention behind it they felt like they were doing what was best for me, putting me into the school that they put me into, you know, my primary school was even more of a suppressive experience because I had all of this. It was a tiny little Victorian private school where the teachers, you know, were doing the best that they could do with the resources that they had and yet were very rigid in the way that they allowed us as, as young children to, to kind of express ourselves, you know. There was this very kind of puritanical way of, of, of kind of guiding us or how they saw nurturing children to be. And so that was another layer I felt. I couldn't fully express myself. I was one of probably two black children there. So what I was seeing the whole time was, okay, it's not, it's not great to be who you are. So you kind of have to be somebody else to get the love, safety and belonging that you need. So that's what I learned to do. And I learned that and I went through life doing what I thought was what people wanted me to do. And in the process, suppressing who I really was. Well, it sounds like from in your school experience and in your parental experience to get the love, safety and belonging that you we all need and all need on a core level to survive is to achieve. As long as you're achieving, 
then you're getting the validation and the all the cues, the subliminal and the very overt cues that that's acceptable, that's good, we love you for that. And so your messaging, all of our messaging from that is keep doing that. We need to keep doing that. So, you know, that becomes the pattern at which we then seek love from others. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that is soul destroying. And that is what I believe can result in illness, dis-ease, you know, of, of the soul, essentially. Um, and so in my case, what that meant was that, you know, I was telling, consistently telling myself, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. So that's me mentally attacking, attacking myself. And then eventually I end up with an illness where my body's attacking itself, right? My body's like, okay, we're listening. Faithful servant that, that I am, I'm going to just respond to whatever's going on that you're instructing me to do, which is to attack yourself. And there's lots of, um, there's lots of thoughts about this. So some people don't believe that it's literally just about what you think is what is then, you know, becomes um, alive in your body, um, particularly with autoimmune. And I think autoimmune is very multi-layered. But I definitely, I definitely felt the link. And my healing journey proved even more, affirmed even more, that there was a link between that sense of suppressing parts of myself and being ill, and then allowing parts of myself to emerge in healing. And as you've said, yeah, I think that's very interesting area with autoimmunity and also as we're, you know, on this journey of how the body and mind interact. And there seems to be a genetic component to autoimmunity. Although you may have a predisposition in your genetic code for developing autoimmunity, there needs to be a trigger. Because some people, even with the predisposition, will never suffer from the disease. And that's really important to understand. And what I'm really hearing from you is that the trigger seemed to be so psychological stress, emotional stress, and sort of I love the way you're describing this sort of reflection of an attacking sense of self through the thoughts you were having and that reflecting out into your outer experience. What was it that, that sparked the curiosity to delve into something deeper? So, yeah, I was at uni. I finished my degree. Um, I was, you know, put on all kinds of intense drugs. Um, finished my degree got that first class, <laughs> you know, at the expense of probably my health and well-being. And what I recognise is that I'm so freaking grateful. I'm so grateful for having had that experience because it allowed me to embark on this journey. And I guess it was realising at some point being on these, these heavy drugs that, hang on a minute, I don't want to be on these drugs for the rest of my life. At first thinking, oh, that's not, that's not such a bad idea. At least I'm going to be okay. And then as time went on, I started and, and, I, and I started to feel the impact of the, them in my body, you know, the side effects. 
steroids as a huge side effect, you know. Right. Um, I was like, I can't do this. I can't be on these, you know. There's got to be something more. And I started to dabble a little bit. That was the kind of, I'd always consider myself as a spiritual person, but it was at that point that I was like, I know there's more. And fortunately, I was with a guy who was into yoga, he was into meditation. And I guess that was the, um, the gateway into exploring spirituality and alternative therapies. And what I decided to do after university was to go on this massive you know, eight-year-long mission around the world. I was going and coming back, but I was on this mission to understand the roots because what I knew to be true was that there was something much deeper than the symptoms that was causing this, you know, and it hadn't all clicked at the time. And so I went on a journey of self-discovery. I took myself away and I um, just followed the kind of breadcrumbs, the breadcrumbs of my soul to India, I went to the United States, I went to the, um, South America, I went all over the place and I, during that time, I explored different healing modalities from theta healing to plant medicines to sound healing to priestess um, shamanic training to yoga training to literally, you name it, I, I tried it. <laughs> I tried it or I trained in it or did both, you know. Um, and what I, uh, what I discovered through all of that was that I was lacking hugely in self-love. Hugely, hugely, hugely. I, I had, you know, disdain is quite a, a strong word, but I, I was so far from feeling love for myself that I, I found it hard to receive any kind of compliment. You know, it's just that classic case of um, not knowing your worth, not seeing your beauty, and um, and through all these practices, and I can't I can't pinpoint it was one thing that kind of blew my mind and opened up everything. It was all of those things coming together like pieces of the puzzle to help me to understand what was missing. And the self love piece came from being able to to fully express myself and to allow myself to embrace who I was, the good, the bad, and the ugly you know embracing the whole of you is is self-love and that is the good the bad and the ugly and that is not easy because part of that process well before the love needs to come the acceptance that you are not perfect Mm. you've done things wrong that Mm. you haven't been very nice to yourself you haven't maybe been very nice to other people. You mm. are not perfect. Mm. You want to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we have to allow ourselves to be who we are. And to allow ourselves to be who we are, we need to know who we are. We need to know what makes us come alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to know what brings us joy. Mm-hmm. We need to know what our highest calling is we need to know what we love doing in service for other people 
Yes. And it's so interesting because I've just been learning a little bit more about our immune systems and how unique they are to us. Wow. They are totally unique. I mean, absolutely unique to us. And I've got a podcast coming up, which is going to go really deep into the science of this. But it's fascinating. Our, our, our immune systems are as unique as our fingerprints are. So they really are true expressions of us. And so what goes on in our immune systems, which are the gateways of our mind, is so, it, it is so entangled with who we think we are. So who we think we are is expressed in our bodies and our immune systems are absolutely core to that expression that's like blowing my mind (laughs) yeah Yeah. and as I was sort of you know we've got an emerging field of science um called psychoneuroimmunology which is there exploring and discovering how our psycho so our how our how our mind our brains neuro immunology immune system interacts and our immune systems are what regulate modulate express not just infectious diseases but diseases of all types including Mm -hmm. autoimmune disease and I think what I do want to sort of bring us back to is this beautiful poetry that your story expresses with how you thought of yourself and almost stopping you in your tracks. It was literally your body saying no Mm. to what you were doing Mm. at that time Mm. so that you you were forced into doing something differently. You You were forced into it. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we can see or feel, and it's totally valid, that our body lets us down, that our body is failing us, our body is betraying us when there is an illness or a diagnosis that we're given, rather than sometimes seeing it as a gift, Mm. or which I don't want to say lightly because attached to the gift there is suffering, but it's a suffering which needs to be listened to in order to change your direction. And that's why I often think a disease or an illness, if you listen to it and what it's trying to tell you is doing, it's saying, this is painful. This is not good for you. Mm. You need to stop. You need to stop. Mm. You do differently. Mm. I really see that sort of happening with, with your story so beautifully. Yeah. You know what? And that just, it makes the hairs on my arm stand because it was absolutely a case of my body freezing me into stillness, literally. It was like, stop, you're going too fast. You're going in a direction that isn't going to support your well-being. And it's really interesting to consider, if you ask me, if you could go back in time and you could decide not to have this illness, would you? 
And I just want to make it really clear, you know, it impacted me really deeply in the after effects of, you know, being on those drugs, the after effects of having my thyroid pretty much blasted by radiation. Um, I had for many years found it really hard to construct a sentence. There were all these kind of things that would show up until, and sometimes even, you know, today I feel um, that there's, you know, residual expressions of those things. Um, And so I have to face it. And that's part of the healing. Part of the healing has been shedding the shame around, A, having had an illness, and then shedding the shame around speaking about it, speaking and sharing my imperfection so openly, so freaking imperfect, <laughs> you know, and being okay with that, being so, it, it's the most liberating thing when you can stand and look at your shame in the face and you can, destroy sounds really intense, but you, you diminish it by acknowledging it. You diminish it by speaking about it. You diminish it by bringing it to light. And that piece about that you were talking about, about the immune system and it being so unique is mind-blowing because, again, it tells us that we are so extraordinary. And tell me how you manage your condition now. Well, um, I think... Yeah, it's really interesting because we're all unique and we all have signs and signals, unique signs and signals that show up. I mean, the major thing that shows up for me is is brain fog. And that could be caused by anything, right? What I am aware of is that, you know, the residual after effects of having been on, you know, so many drugs and, and and really what the condition, particularly myasthenia gravis, does is that there may be muscular um, atrophy or whatever that is just something that I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. It might not be, it might be, but it's just that sense again of acceptance. You know, it's acceptance. But I guess what you're what you're asking in terms of managing is that it's that it's that point of awareness that I didn't have when it first manifested. You know, that point of awareness that says, "Geez, what you're doing." serving your well-being right now are you pushing too much it's not like it shows up when I am stressed it's just that I now have these I guess like points of reference to consider whether I'm acting in alignment on whatever level that is, you know, am I eating the right foods right now? Am I drinking enough water? Am I um, going to bed early enough? Am I spending enough time with my family and my loved ones? Am I spending enough time in nature? You know, all the things that make a difference. It's like a navigation system, isn't it? This quote has just sprung up into my head, which your immunity is your sixth sense. So, you know, if we're getting, if we get an infection, if something is going wrong with our health, which is governed by our immune system in whatever disease we have, it's letting us know that something internally is just a little bit off. Mm, That makes me want to cry almost. It's just, it's just this sense that we're so hard on ourselves sometimes. We... 
and we we rarely acknowledge the beauty and the, the the magnitude of all that we've been gifted within us you know and I'm talking about how you're expressing the immune system it's like our best it could be our best friend you know and yet we just take it for all for granted a lot of the time and and I'm so grateful for you bringing all of this to life I had no idea about the uniqueness of the immune system um because understanding this I feel will change so much you know on so many levels particularly in people understanding how the word is just unique how unique they are and really honoring and embracing because this journey of life is to explore that it's to explore who we are right who we are as individual souls and a part of that is therefore understanding on a physiological level who we are and what serves us and what doesn't right on a biological level so yeah that's it's profound it can be I think it can be really difficult to take responsibility generally a lot of us like to project blame onto situations people whatever um Taking ownership for me was a big part of my healing. And that's not to say, because this is where it gets really tricky and difficult. If bad stuff happens to you in life, it's your fault. That's a really hard conclusion to come to, a challenging conclusion to come to. What I can say was true in my situation was that I was responsible And I've never, which is really interesting, I've never throughout this whole journey ever blamed my body for doing wrong. Because fortunately, early on, I realized that link. I saw the connection between what I was instructing my body to do and how it was responding. And so taking ownership of my health was what led to the healing. Another piece was in not, and it's not not believing what the doctors say. It's just, fortunately, there was a part of me that was just like, the rebel in me was like, actually, I'm not going to be on drugs for the rest of my life. I am going to do whatever I can to make sure that's not the case. And I know that the drugs had had their purpose. Um, And who knows where I would have been without that initial diagnosis, right? And... For me and my, my story, it was really important for me to grab the reins and to be the author of my future as much as I could be. The last thing we want to add on top of the illness is all the negativity around blaming ourselves, which is toxic, right? That just adds to, to, to the physiological experience, the biological experience. And yet there is something very empowering and very instantly healing when we say you know what I haven't been very good to myself and maybe my dear sweet body that is in service to me is just responding to that there is a point in a healing journey where you have to Give yourself permission, perhaps, to be in a bit of a victim state, particularly if you're diagnosed with something horrific, you know. 
to be in a state of, oh my God, why is this happening? You have to be, that is part of the journey. And then at some point, you have to take yourself out of that. You have to stop and you have to say, what is it that I can do right now to bring more ease into my being? And it literally might be, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to, can be simple, simple things. But what that does is it starts to build trust in yourself. Your body then starts to see, okay, Diane's starting to take care of me again. This is good. She loves me. <laughs> you know, but I'm going to respond to that rather than I'm going to respond to neglect. I think there's, there's work done by an amazing thing, groundbreaking scientist called Candice Pert, who um, did a lot of work, of work around the immune system and identified peptides that were associated with levels of self-esteem. So she identified wow. peptide T. Um, it was higher in people who had a higher degree of self-esteem, which allowed them to protect themselves better. So we know that our emotions and how we treat ourselves, not only physically, but emotionally, impact on how we respond to illness. And where you are now is, I'm right in saying you're not on any medication. I see a herbalist. I get regular massages. I get energy healing. You know, all of that to me is part of staying really healthy and well you know and it's not about being anti-meds at all because for some people potentially that medicine is going to save their life and that's the whole point of this podcast right to explore all the different mediums and modalities and sciences included in that you know mainstream science um and also to acknowledge that there is a spiritual deep soul connection to the way that we feel and the expression of our of our health and our bodies your story speaks to such an amazing journey of how your body has been used as a vehicle to communicate with you who you are i know that you've really listened and you've used various healing modalities to allow you to access your soul, part of you that's truly unique. And you're now expressing that fully into the world. And I know in your work, you help other women who access themselves in that really deep way. Can you explain what you do and where people can find you? Essentially, I help women to see themselves and feel themselves and love themselves in a nutshell. Um, And the way that I do that is through helping them to connect to what it is that makes their soul come alive and to connect to that sense of deep self-trust. And people can find me at the moment online on Instagram. I'm Deanne Holder, Facebook, Deanne Holder. Um, and I have a website which is being built right now, which is deanholder.com, so you can find 
chat a little bit more about me and where I am, what I'm doing right now. I'm just online. And I'll put that, I'll put all the links on the show notes so that people can really yeah, connect with you. I just want to thank you so much, Deanne, for your time and your wisdom and your honesty and your story. Thank you so much, Jude. It's been a true pleasure. Such an awesome conversation. Thank you for having me. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. If you have any questions relating to this episode, or you have a topic you would like me to explore on the next podcast, shoot me a DM on Instagram at Dr. Body Mind Soul. 